It's good to see each of you tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for a good afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the ability to be in your house tonight. It's a blessing to have this freedom. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take full advantage of it tonight and all that is available to us. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want to begin by talking about something that I know I have mentioned on many occasions. It's not a truth that only I am aware of. It is a truth that all of us are aware of. And that statement that I'd like for us to begin with is this, is that oftentimes we confuse our wants and our needs. You've heard me say that on many, many occasions. We confuse our wants and our needs. A lot of times we think we need certain things. We don't really need those things. They are just wants. There are so many examples that I could point to to illustrate that. But I'd like to take that thought and go just a little bit different direction as it relates to wants and needs and sometimes not knowing uh, the difference. I want to talk about children for just a moment. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, or yes, in this morning's message, there is somewhat of an immaturity associated with kids. And so while that could be illustrated in so many different ways, I want us to think about this truth that sometimes kids in their immaturity don't even know what they need. Have you ever realized that? That kids sometimes don't even know what they need. Sometimes in the cold weather, a child may want to go out and play in the snow and they're ready to go outside with no jacket on, no gloves on, maybe no shoes on. And before the child goes outside, the parent says something like this. Hey, listen, you need to get bundled up. And the kid just kind of looks at you like, why do I need to get bundled up? And you want to say to the kid, hey, listen, it's cold outside. If you're not bundled up, you're going to get cold. You might get sick, whatever it may be. And so you have to tell them to get bundled up to go outside. You know, sometimes you have to tell a kid, take a bath right? You stink. Well, why do I need to take a bath? Because it's awful. We can smell you from over here, whatever it may be. You need to take a bath. And, and the, again, the illustrations could go on and on and on. Uh, wants and needs, they can be confused. And sometimes a child in their immaturity, they don't even realize they need something that is essential for them and their well-being. So that in mind, turn, if you would, to Hebrews tonight. We're going to be here for just a few moments. And as I was looking at my records, here is what I found. Is that every couple of years, I like to preach this passage, apparently, because I go to it. It's one that all of us are familiar with, but I want us to revisit it again because it's a good reminder. So if you're there in Hebrews, go to chapter 10. And we're going to begin looking in verse number 23. In verse number 23 of Hebrews chapter 10, here is what the writer says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now we're just going to look at the first part of this verse because this is the admonition that is given. This is the encouragement that is given let us hold fast the profession of our faith. What does it mean whenever he speaks of a profession of our faith? It is this, a declaration of what we believe. 
That is a profession of faith. It's not just dealing with our profession of salvation, our profession of belief in Christ as our Savior. It is a declaration of what we believe. And what the writer said to the believers there in verse number 23 is this, is let us hold fast this profession without wavering. And so all that statement means is this, is hold tight and don't let anything sway you from what it is you believe. Hold tight and don't let anything sway you from what you believe. And that's important because there are a lot of things these days that would like to cause us to sway or cause us to waver from those things that we do believe. And so he says, hold fast this profession or this declaration of our faith, what we believe without wavering. And then he said in verse number 24, and let us consider one another to provoke them unto love and to good works. So what does it mean whenever he says to consider one another? It means this, to be mindful of others. Whenever you consider someone else, you are mindful of them, you are aware of them. So he said, consider one another and provoke them unto love and to good works, which again, we know this, but this means to challenge others to love and to do what is right. To love, as I've said in the past, to love God as we should, to love others as we should, and to simply do what is right, to live right. And so to a church family, we could say this, that there needs to be this determination to stand true and to stand faithful to what we believe. And as a church family, we would also be mindful of others and we would encourage or we would provoke or we would challenge others to live as they're supposed to live and to love as they're supposed to love. And so that segues into verse number 25, what we're going to look at for just a couple of moments tonight. And that is where we read these words, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. He says, hold fast what you believe, be mindful of others and encourage them. And then he says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. What does that mean whenever he says don't forsake? It means don't desert this and don't, don't abandon this. Do not forsake, do not desert, and do not abandon this assembling of ourselves together. And then he said, as the manner of some is. What does that mean? It just means this. This has become the customer. This has become the habit of some that they have deserted the assembling of ourselves together. That when the saints are assembling, there are those who have decided, you know, that's optional. And you know, that, that's not what I really need. And that's not really important. And, 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 and that's not going to be a priority in our lives. And here's what the writer said. He, he said, don't be like them. Don't have that mindset. Don't have that mentality. Don't allow yourselves to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He goes on to say, but exhorting one another or encouraging one another, again, challenging one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So I know that you know this, but I just want to go over it one more time with us. 
Whenever he speaks of the day that is approaching, what is he talking about? Well, it's believed that he is talking about the final days that the believers would be living in, that they were living in perilous times, that they were living in the end times. And so what the writer is saying is as we live in these end times, as we live in these final days here on this earth, because they believe that to be true in their day, he said, you do not want to allow yourself to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, though that is the habit, though that is the manner, though that is the way in which some people have chosen to live. He said, that is not what you want to do. He said, in these final days, continue assembling, continue coming together, continue being with one another. And he said, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as I've said before, what the writer is saying is this, is you don't need less assembling, you need more assembling. You don't need less time together, you need more time together. You don't need fewer times where you would assemble, you need more times where you would assemble. So he is saying, hold fast to what you believe, don't ever waver, and encourage one another unto love and to good works, and at the same time, don't abandon and don't desert and forsake these assemblies that we have, though that is how some people live. But as we see the day of the Lord approaching, we need to have more and more and more of the assemblies. Now this evening as we think about that, here is what I have preached and many others have preached, and there is merit to it but that when church is being held, the people of God need to be in church. Amen. Whenever church is having church, for lack of better words, the child of God ought to be in church. The child of God ought not be sitting at home with their feet up on the sofa saying, yeah, I could, I just didn't feel like it tonight. Yeah, I know that we probably should have been there, but you know, I just, I've had a long week, I've had a busy week, I've had a tough week, and I'm just not going to make it tonight. That should never, ever, ever, ever be the attitude of a child of God. The attitude of the child of God should be something like this. Hey, if we're having church, I'm going to be there, and I'm not going to look for excuses to keep me out of the house of God. The child of God should have a desire to be in the house of God that should be priority and every effort that can be made to be in the house of God should be made, no matter how young or old we are. But as I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of this truth, that church 2,000 years ago didn't quite look like church looks like today. And all I mean by that is, is you don't really read of a physical location where people would meet, where the building was built, and that the people would file in. They would sit there for about an hour and then go on about their days and go about their different ways. It's not what you read of necessarily. What you read of is this, is that when they came together, they were oftentimes there for a really long time. Doesn't that sound appealing? 
like a really, really long time sometimes. Sometimes like hours and hours they would be there. But another thing that revolved around the church getting together seems to be this, a lot of breaking of bread and fellowship. There was just the breaking of bread. There was the having a meal together. There was this time of fellowship. When the church family came together, here is what they did. They didn't just see how fast they could get in and get out. They came together kind of like a family unit. They came and they spent their time together eating with one another and, and enjoying the fellowship. And, and it wasn't just the preaching that the writer was saying, don't abandon and don't forsake and don't desert. He, he was saying this, all of it, every bit of it, all that church kind of involves, don't forsake that as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. So where am I going with the thoughts? I'm just going here with these thoughts. First of all, I have to believe, and I think you have to believe, if we're honest, we got to be living closer to the last days. I don't know how we could look at what's going on in our nation. I don't know how we could look at what's going on in our world and say, you know, I really don't see how we could be living in the last days. It seems like the return of Christ is imminent, that it could happen at any time. Okay, now keeping that in mind, here is what the Scripture then teaches us, and here is what the, uh, the Scripture reminds us of, is that we need more assembly, not less assembly. We need more time together, not less time together. But in our Christian life, here is what's true. Sometimes immaturity reigns. Are we hearing this? Sometimes immaturity kind of rules the day. And so we're kind of like the child who doesn't know they need to be bundled up to go out in the snow or the child who doesn't know they stink and they need to get in the shower. Sometimes we're kind of like the child and we don't really know what we need. We think we know what we need, but we don't know for sure what we need. So for just a moment, I want to remind us of what we do need in comparison or in contrast maybe to what we don't need. Not only do we need the preaching of the Word of God, that should be clear, we need fellowship one with another. We need fellowship. What do you mean, Brother Kyle? I mean this. Men, you need to be standing around each other around the deep fryers in a little bit because it's just good to have the fellowship. Amen. Well, it's kind of hot out there. Right, and they had incredible air conditioning back in their day. And they had all the comforts and all the luxuries that, that we enjoy today. And, and No, we know better than that. I'm just saying we need the fellowship with one another. So men, you need to be fellowshipping with others while the cooking and the preparing is taking place. Ladies, let me just remind you, you need the fellowship one with another 
when all this is happening, when all this is taking place. You need to be interacting with other ladies. Everyone hear this, please. Ladies, you don't need to be sitting at a table by yourself being a wallflower, not contributing to conversation. You need the fellowship. Amen. And here's what you need. You need to set across from someone and you need to visit and you need to interact and you need to be the one who instigates and reciprocates and, and engages others and not you just sitting there saying, uh-huh, yes, uh-uh. Make it worthwhile. Make it profitable. We need this. We may want to get away quickly, but we need to stick around and take advantage of this. Well, Brother Kyle, I've, I've got a busy week. I've got a lot going on tomorrow, and, and, and I've got a lot staring me in the face tomorrow. I think I understand that tonight. My week is going to start fairly early and fairly busy, just like all of y'all's. And what I'm saying is, is I need to be reminded, I need the fellowship more than I need to worry about hurrying up and getting home and getting in bed and preparing for the week. And when do I need it? I need it so much the more. This is not just a message for a fifth Sunday fellowship because we're not even on the fifth Sunday, okay? This is a, a truth that we need all the time reminded of us or reminded to us, given to us, that, that we can focus on and concentrate. I need not just the preaching, but I need everything that this church can contribute to me. Listen now, and you need it too. You need to be at church early. Why do I need to be at church early? Because you need the fellowship. You don't need to just stroll in at the very last, plop down on your pew and make people walk to you. No, you need to be the one that engages in the fellowship with others. You need that. That's what the first churches did. That was part of what their assemblies were about. They'd get to the preaching, but there was the time of fellowship and again, that time of breaking of bread. You need that. And I need it. We don't need to be the first ones out the door. We need to stick around and enjoy some fellowship. Why do I need that? Because you're going out into a crazy world just like everyone else, and you need what you can only get in the house of God. I'm just trying to remind us, whenever the scripture says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, he's not just saying, hey, listen, be at church, endure the singing, endure the preaching, say amen at the appropriate times, then get out of there so that you can say you've done your duty. No, don't forsake everything that this is all about because we need every bit of this. If you get out in the world what you get from your time at church, 
You've either got an amazing life outside of church or you're not getting much from church. Does that make sense? If what you get outside the church is really no different than what you get inside the church, then either you're living very well outside the walls of this church or you're not taking advantage of what the church has to offer. I'm just trying to remind us tonight. Before we say, hey, I got to run. Hey, I got to take off. And I know at some point we got to break it up. I'm not saying we got to be here all night, okay? But before we take off and get and run and do all the things we say we need to do, we might want to stop and remember this. I need some fellowship tonight. I need some good, godly interaction with folks. I need to take advantage of this church family that God has put me in. It'll help me. Listen, listen, listen. It will help me stand strong in my faith when the world is attacking me if I am closely associated with those in a church family that help me that I get to draw strength from. When they challenge me, when they consider me, when they provoke me into love and good works, all that happens when we are assembling like we ought, as we've been commanded to do. So if it's just tonight that you want to think about it, that's good, but you need to think about it every time we get together. And I need this. I need it, I need it, I need it. I may even need it more than I realize. So I'm going to take advantage of it while I've got it. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you would help us, Lord, myself included, to be reminded of this truth, how much we need this church family. Lord, not that we are special here, but what you have here is special in your church. Lord, we need the fellowship. We need to be the ones who interact. We need to be the ones who converse. We don't just need to sit and let others invest in us. We need to invest in others. And God, it's so easy to lose sight of what we really need. God, I pray that you'd help us to leave here tonight encouraged, that you'd help us to leave here strengthened. Pray that you'd help us to leave here refreshed. Not because the singing was great tonight, not because the message was powerful tonight, but maybe just because we spent some time with some of your people, just enjoying the fellowship that we can't get anyplace else. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.